The Start. On Demand. demand. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. McNabb's back next week. And Greg, I'd like to think of myself as somewhat versatile around here in terms of being able at least to troubleshoot problems or, you know, fix things when they're broken, but there are only so, there's only so much I can do before we have to call on the engineers. You know, Correct. I can figure out which cord is loose or, you know, <laughs> why the keyboard is frozen. But when we get a text message that says, is it my phone or your broadcast? Trying to listen on Radio Player app and you sound like the chipmunks. Alvin is not here. No. Okay. Uh, he's with Loren somewhere. We're, we're working on this. I just am texting everyone back because we have a slew of text messages, people telling us about this. I'm just suggesting we're drinking too much coffee and tea today. <laughs> so this is what it sounds like. I'm just going to try to pull it up on radio player here on my phone. Okay. Let's see if this pops up here. It doesn't seem to want to play. Come on now. All right. Well, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wouldn't we eventually run out of content with it going that fast? <laughs> well, what's happening is is it 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 starts and then it stops because it, it it like takes what we said in the last 10 seconds, spits it out in one or two seconds, and then it pauses. Right. Well, and then it, it captures more audio and yeah. then spits it out again. Yeah. So I'm just trying to get this to pop up here. We had it. Go, oh. Is well, oh, that's Jeff Broad doing the news there. Okay, so there. That's what it sounds like on Radio Player. So for those who are listening online on Radio Player, we are going to slow it way <laughs> down. <laughs> And that way it will sound normal for you. <laughs> We're working on it, okay? We'll let the engineers know. So if you're listening on the radio, everything should be fine. But if you're listening on Radio Player, there is a problem. This happens from time to time. And uh, we have it, we have no idea how to fix it. So we'll have to tell our engineers to help us I out. I think he's that. giving a good whack. Whatever machine it is that plays that, just give it a good whack on the side like you did the TV back in the day when the vertical hold would act, you know, act up or you couldn't quite tune in the station. Remember, did you ever have a TV where you could actually literally tune in the station oh. a little bit and press? No. There was a button press and hold and you could actually fine tune it? No. It so, seems like so long ago, but just yesterday at the same time. I never, also wonder when talking about giving things a whack... I've never understood why is it like when your remote control, your TV remote batteries are dying? Yes. If you give it a... Just a, a jolt? Yeah. Extra jolt? It seems to bring it back to life. I don't know. Never seems understood that. stupid, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's like, that hasn't changed in 30 years. Maybe longer. Because, well, before that, my parents had an actual clicker. Like one that would click. It was one of those ones that were, where it had like the sound tuning things or whatever. Yeah, just a three-button clicker. Yep, and uh, that lasted for God, God, I don't know how long it threw it. I'm sure I threw it across the room a few times. It was indestructible. How many remote controls do you have? I have four in my living room. I have one for my television. I have one for my PVR. I have one for my Blu-ray player, and one for my sound bar. And I could probably program get one of those remotes to do all of it, but uh, I just prefer to have. Just I I like to use the proper remote for each device. Yeah, uh, we we just added a piece of furniture in the rec room in the basement, if you like, and it has a fireplace built into it, so that has a remote control. Hooked up the Apple TV, TV, and yeah, I think there's like five remotes in the basement alone. I think we got to be pushing twenty remotes in the house wow. right now. It's absolutely ludicrous. Also, we're getting a couple of uh, messages here from follow up. Edward says, "Good morning, guys." From CJOB.com, the website audio is fine. That's good. Someone says, "Strange." I'm listening on Simple Radio app, and you all sound normal. And then somebody says, "It sounds fine on Radio Player now." So. That's great. I guess just just let us know at 204-780-6868 what you are hearing in terms of our online presence. I'm just pulling Radio Player back up now to see what happens here. It's Maybe just they're gonna... just listening to that segment where we were speaking very slowly. Also, we're getting a couple of messages here from Edward says, good morning, guys, from 
Okay, so I guess it maybe it depends on the the service you're with. Maybe it depends on the platform. You know, whether it's Apple or Android. I don't know. I have an Android phone. So we'll, we'll, we'll let, anyway, we'll let our engineers know. Hey, today is a big day in terms of contests. We ha- are starting a contest at 737 called Bad Santa. That for, doesn't sound good. Well, it could be good. It could be bad. This is going to happen for the next two weeks here on the start. So today is kind of the easy day because at 737, mm-hmm. caller number nine is just going to win a prize. That's it. Are they going to win a prize? Do they get to keep the prize? Well, and that's the tricky part, because tomorrow is where the fun really begins. Uh-huh. Hence the bad Santa, because tomorrow's winner can steal today's prize, which means today's prize winner will automatically get whatever's up for grabs tomorrow, and that's that. They won't. They don't have an opportunity to steal it. So they will either win whatever they whatever we decide to give them today. Yep. If the person tomorrow says, hey, I really like what you got yesterday, I'm going to take it, Mm -hmm. today's winner will get tomorrow's prize. That's right. Or if tomorrow's winner wants to gamble and say, you know what? I'm going to let yesterday's winner keep what they have. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take what's in the secret prize for tomorrow, right? One or the other. Yeah, that's right. So today's winner will not know what they actually get to keep until after... Tomorrow's winner plays. Oh, no, no. They'll find out today what they win. But they might not get to keep it. They might not get to keep it. Right. So they won't know what they're going to get in their hands until tomorrow's player plays. That's right. That's right. All right. Okay. That makes sense. See, this is why we have to talk these things out. (laughs) (laughs) Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back next week. Greg, you spotted this on Drex's Twitter. Drex is our overnight host, The Shift with Drex on 680 CJOB and across the Chorus Radio Network. And the tweet reads as follows. If I can find it here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to do the same thing. What else are we saying wrong? I've always said Brussels sprouts. So he retweeted from somebody named Mackay Taggart, who says, Do not panic, but one Toronto area grocery store is already reporting a shortage of Brussels sprouts less than three weeks from Christmas. Also, I just learned that it's Brussels sprouts, not Brussels sprouts. I'm now questioning everything I thought I knew about produce. <laughs> well, I guess if they are native to the city of Brussels somehow, yep. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Why, w- why would a vegetable be native to a city? Well, maybe that's where it's they weird. created it or... You, you so never know. It just seems like it would be a, thing. a, a rural thing, though. Hey, I hey. Also, I'm not changing the way I say it. <laughs> <laughs> now that that is important. That is pertinent information. I like that. Well, the Brussels sprout has long been popular in Brussels, Belgium, and it may have actually gained its name there. So that's likely where it came from. But I had no idea that it was Brussels sprouts. I don't like Brussels sprouts. I've tried them. You know that. I, 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 I tried, someone roasted them and put all kinds of stuff on them. They tried to, to dress them up, but uh, still a little Still damaged. no thank you for yeah. me. So. <laughs> yeah. You know what, yeah. if you guys are open, if you guys are open to something, try them pan fried in a uh, balsamic vinegar. They are absolutely delicious that way. Yeah? Okay. Well, hey, I'm Probably not... deep fried and dipped in chocolate, they'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, Braun, like, what do you care what it's pronounced? Like, you'll never eat one That's anyway. True. Well, I like to tell the waiter what not to put on my plate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are not Brussels sprouts. These are Brussels sprouts. So uh, we decided to give those to you. So we, we, th- we got to got thinking, what are the other things that we are saying incorrectly? Uh, one of our listeners, Jeff, emailed us and said, asphalt. Note, there is no H after the S. Mm-hmm. It is pronounced asphalt, not asphalt. This mispronunciation is very common, and when I hear media people do it, I want to assign them to remedial English classes. <laughs> oh boy, that's a little harsh. Uh, but one that he might be right about mm-hmm is daylight saving time, because we hear it referred to as daylight savings time all the time. There is no S at the end of saving. Jeff, do you have any pet peeves on this Uh, kind of thing? And I don't know how this could have ever possibly started, but some people actually say Valentine's Day. Valentine's? Yeah. I've heard grown-ups say that. I mean, if you're a kindergarten kid, 
That's one thing. You get a pass. Yeah. And you someone will teach you how to say it properly, hopefully. But yeah. grown-ups should not be saying it like that at all. And I, I've, I've heard that more than once. Well, it's just like use people. Like <laughs> People say use. But that's you know, poor people use. from the 1930s that say it like that. No, it's you. <laughs> you Kelly, <people>. movies. <laughs> Kelly, if you go to the library, you won't say Valentine's Day. <laughs> no, you won't. No. And you'll get sent back for remedial reading, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the couple of stories ago, I was going back and forth between data and data. Uh, is there a right way or a wrong way to say that word? Can it be oh, either or? Tomato, tomato. Okay, yeah. good. Potato, you know that? Uh, as I was saying, I'm like, oh, great. We're just so doing a one that segment I on this. only recently learned, and I mean this year, and it's a it's a song lyric thing, which would open up a whole, another whole bo- uh, can of worms or whatever. But I, that song, Danger Zone from Top Gun. Yep. Yes. I always thought he was just singing, I went to the danger zone. And it's highway to the danger. Highway to the <laughs> But isn't the, the movie's about airplanes? What does the highway have to do with it? It makes oh, no man. logical sense. I guess it's a metaphor, perhaps? I went to the danger <laughs> You heard that song down the hall at Peggy at 99.1, didn't you? I don't know. I'm maybe. Because they did play it. Oh, they did they? Just yeah. today? Yeah, about a half an hour ago. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, a listener texting us saying, unthawing food. That's Sean oh, yeah. weighing in on oh, that. Oh, yeah. But, you uh, thawed out. But I, I look it up here, and uh, it Either is... Either is acceptable? Is, there, is, there is a definition at a bunch of dictionary websites, so... There's been a few words like that, which we always learned were wrong, that some online dictionaries would say, you know what, people say it enough that now it's a thing. And uh, um, what's the other one? Irregardless is one of those words. Come on! I've seen it, yeah. You're not allowed to yeah. use that. Our friend down the other hall, Phil, he used it. In a, he found all sorts of online uh, affirmation for saying <laughs> that word when he was having an argument with an old colleague of ours. So wow. I, I, <laughs> Kelly, doesn't that prove if you just say it wrong often enough that people just throw up their hands and go, okay, let's go with that? The power of persuasion. Mm-hmm. It always works. How many times have you guys uh, in reading sportscasts slipped and said Madison Square Gardens? Never. Never? Oh, okay. I don't think so. Well, that's good, yeah. No, because that, that was one that I heard uh, a bit was the the, uh, the plural. Uh, but, of course, uh, as Don, the late, great Don Whitman always reminded me, it's Madison Square Garden. That is drilled in my head forever. <laughs> well, because it was Maple Leaf Gardens. Yes. yes. Maybe that's, that's why right. people go back and forth yeah, that the, way. The, the gardens, you always said it that way. Right. Yeah, maybe that's what... Boston uh, what, Garden, no S. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let me run this one past you, Kelly, on this the sports note. Do you say, "Hey, you want to go to the bomber game or bombers game?" Boy, that that well, they they are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, so I would say, but yet it's Blue Bomber football, so it's yeah, it's weird, like, it's tricky. It's maybe like irregardless, <laughs> <laughs> because I say, "Hey, I'm going to the Jets game tonight." I typically yeah. don't say I'm going to the Jet game tonight, but I will say I'm going yeah. to the Bomber game tonight. But you could you would say Rider or Riders. You would not mm-hmm. say Stampeder or game. You would only say Stampeders. You going to the Stampeders it's, game tonight? We need a linguist yeah. in here to explain why why this. Is with some, but not all. Mm-hmm. It's Stampeder football. Oh, there you go. Yeah, a lot of people just say stamps, right? That's just, true. Just drop the eater out of that. Okay, everybody, <laughs> let's just sing along with Jeff Braun here now. <laughs> I'm not singing it. <laughs> <laughs> But we learned, was it, how late on Friday did we learn about well, the, La Police? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was really confirmed until Saturday okay. by the Ottawa Red Blacks that Paul LaPolice would become their head coach. But uh, Dave Naylor, amongst other CFL insiders, broke the news on Friday that, in fact, the now former offensive coordinator of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, architect of that Blue Bomber uh, offense, which won the Grey Cup, is off to the nation's capital. And uh, my partner on the Blue Bomber podcast, color commentator on Blue Bomber broadcast here on CJOB, former, uh, you know what, we could go with the accolades (laughs) all morning, but you know what, Doug Brown's with us. 97, uh, this isn't a surprise to too many observers. Doug, are you there? I'm here, guys. So the fact that Lapo is on his way elsewhere, probably not a surprise to too many observers, casual or otherwise, Doug. Um, you know, it, it, what's surprising to me is just it's, it's 15 days after the championship, right? Like, 
Chris Strebler hasn't even had time to get his fur coat dry cleaned yet, and uh, and Paul Apolis has already jumped shit. It's just it's it took twenty nine years for this organization to win a Grey Cup, and I just can't believe already there's a mass. You know, he's the first of what will probably be a large number of uh, of individuals, coaches, players, otherwise departing, and it's just it's too soon for me. But uh, I guess. When it comes down to the fact, I mean, we heard from last year that Paul Apolis was interested in uh, interviewing for head coaching positions. He was denied or blocked from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers then, so he's definitely not going to miss his opportunity this time around. But like I said, just too much too soon for me. And why is that? Why is it too soon? Is it like, are you, does this hurt? Yeah, well, that's just it, right? Like you're still you're still celebrating the fact that the drought is over. And uh, no one wants to come face-to-face with the reality that this team is going to be very, very different next year, right? So you're still celebrating. You're still getting used to the fact that this is now the best team in Canadian football. And boom, they've already lost their top offensive coordinator uh, to become a head coach of a a team in the East. So it just shows you it's it's just a wake-up call about how the business of professional sports moves on so quickly and rapidly, whether you like it or not. Well, and this is sort of a compliment, I guess, to the organization and how successful they were this year, that uh, Lapo was at the top of the wish list for, for several teams by the by all accounts, and, and Ottawa ends up being his landing place. So what do you think? Does this automatically mean, because people are, are speculating that this it's sort of a shoe-in now that Buck Pierce becomes the offensive coordinator for the Blue Bombers. Yeah, you know, that's it's real interesting. Obviously, that's the logical progression. You would think that Buck Pierce has studied under Paul Apolis for a number of years in, in Winnipeg. Uh, Buck Pierce obviously played here. Buck Pierce is a former quarterback. Buck Pierce lives here. His family's here. Uh, it totally makes sense that he is the next guy to step in and assume that role and those duties, but... We don't really know what you know. Michael Shea is thinking what Wade Miller and and Kyle Walters uh, want to do at that spot, but you know every uh, every hint, every inclination is the fact that that Buck Pierce will have that opportunity, whether that pans out or not. You know who knows who knows who else might be missing or, you know the other thing about this Paul Apolis move is the fact that he just won a championship with this team, but right now he's probably trying to cherry pick as many guys as possible. When you're a head coach, when you get brought on as a head coach in a new city, you get to pick uh, your own staff for the most part. Uh, nobody, from what I know and understand in, in professional football, when you get a head coaching appointment, you get to bring in and pick your own staff. So uh, while the assumption is that Buck Pierce will stay here and, and fill that role that Paul LaPolice has left, you have to know he's probably going to be tugging at the strings of a bunch of guys to go over to Ottawa with him and, and uh, be part of his new coaching staff as well. Do you think he'll be tugging at the strings of some players too? Like I saw, for example, Matt Nichols, yeah. quarterback Matt Nichols, tweeted yeah. out this news and people were asking him, commenting, saying, are you going to go with LaPolice to Ottawa? Yeah, that's... So it's all about relationships, especially, you know, with quarterbacks and their offensive coordinators. That's the one thing that can make or break a, a quarterback. You can be a good quarterback if you're in a, a bad system or, or something that doesn't complement your skill set very well. You're not going to perform. And uh, and that's something that can take also an average quarterback or, or, you know, a good one, and it can make them great if they're playing in a, a system that's designed by a coordinator that is really cutting edge and creative and, and can really enhance your strengths, that can really enhance your, your career at the same time. So obviously the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are not going to be able to sign Matt Nichols, Chris Strebler, and Zach Claris for 2020. Somebody is going to get away, if not two of those three. So, And you have to think that uh, Paul Apolise will be looking at one of those guys because it just shortens the learning curve, right? He's going to be taking his system. We all assume he's going to be running his offense in Ottawa. That has to be part of the appeal of bringing him as a head coach, and it just cuts down the learning curve. If he can take a quarterback over there as well, if not two, that already know what he likes to do. 
Paul Lapolis, of course, the head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers from 2010 to 2012, which means you played under Coach Lapolis as a head coach, Doug. Uh, what was his strongest suit as a head coach? What did what did players like most about Paul Lapolis when he was at the helm of of the Blue Bombers? You know, he's he's just a great guy. Um, he he certainly is in tune with his players. He certainly listens uh, to his players. He had kind of a, a, a circle of, of captains or player reps that he would, uh, you know, stay, keep in touch with and, and, and relate with. And he's, he's very much a player's coach, so he's super accessible, um, pretty reasonable guy. And, uh, you know, I always liked him. I liked him as a head coach. I liked him even more as, as a coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see um, what he's learned and or what he uh, will change in his second go-round in this head coaching opportunity. But, you know, he, was, uh, he wasn't the best head coach I ever had, but he certainly wasn't anywhere near uh, the worst either. He's got a lot of positive qualities. And, uh, like I said, he's probably uh, learned a lot since his first opportunity in go-round. I probably learned some lessons the hard way, unfortunately, with uh, you know a stay that a tenure that didn't last as long as he wanted. But I'm very curious to see how he's going to run things in Ottawa. Doug Brown joining us live on 680 CJOB. Doug, thank you for the time as always. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. We'll have to get Doug to spill his list of his worst head coaches of all time on the podcast <laughs> at some point in time. Who do you think it could be? I'm not sure. <laughs> I want to know. Well, do you have any Inquiring ideas? minds want to know. But right now, it is time to play Bad Santa. Look who's here. It's Santa. I'm on my last break, okay? One of the Couch Potatoes' favorite Christmas movies, Bad Santa. Well, for the next two weeks, right here on The Start, we are going to play Bad Santa, and we need caller number nine at 204-780-6868. So the first player instantly scores a gift. Okay, we okay. just don't know what. Well, we know what it is. We know what today's prize is. Right. So, so let's not confuse it more than we need to. We I'm not trying to confuse anything. I just don't want you to think that you're going to get the prize that's announced today because someone could steal it from we'll, you tomorrow. We'll get there. Let's. We'll, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go through this here. When Bad Santa plays again, so that's tomorrow, then tomorrow's player will have a choice to steal the previous prize or grab a new mystery gift from under the tree. So player one gets a prize regardless, but we don't know. We won't know until tomorrow if they're going to keep today's prize. Mm-hmm. So be careful, though. Not all prizes are for the nice. We have some not-so-great prizes for the naughty this year. So you got to choose wisely. So will you be the Grinch or will you roll the dice as we play Bad Santa, which is brought to you, by the way, by Nameth Diamonds, On Time Group, The Pure Escape Spa, Lux Barbecue, Vita Health, and Enigma Escapes. So we ready to go here, Forte? We've got our callers lined up. Sure do. I went through five off the air. Okay. All right. Well, let's... Uh, so that's six, seven, eight, nine. All right. Hi there. You're calling number seven. Ah, uh, thank you. Okay. Thanks for trying. Hello there. That means you're calling number eight. Oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Hi there. You are calling number nine. What's your name? Deborah. Deborah? Yeah. Hey, Deborah. How are you? Good. Are you ready to find out what today's prize is? Yes, I am. All right, Forte, what do we got? Oh, oh, Santa has a $250 gift card from Lux Barbecue. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh. wow. That sounds great. Wow. <laughs> they, they've got amazing stuff there, Deborah. You ever been there? No. Oh, well, hey, it's called Lux for a reason. No question. They have uh, everything that you can imagine uh, regarding barbecuing and that whole new world of smoking and all the other things you can do with your meat. All right. On. <laughs> okay. So, Deborah, we're going to put you on hold. Now, here's okay. the thing. What happened? So, tomorrow, when we get our player tomorrow, they have the opportunity to steal that from you. Which means you will then get tomorrow's prize instead. If they steal it from you. So you're either going to get the $250 Lux Barbecue gift certificate. If someone is cruel enough to take that away from you tomorrow, you will get whatever tomorrow's prize is. 
All right. All right. Okay. So you have to be listening tomorrow. Find out what you get to what you get your yeah. your paws on. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Deborah, I'm going to put you on hold. Jeff Forte is going to get your details off the air, and then we'll find out tomorrow if Deborah gets to keep that prize. And I'm just looking at. <laughs> okay. So some of the prizes, the the naughty prizes. Some of them are, are not very good. This is quite the list that you have access to. Yeah, so I can't, I can't tell you. You're just going to have to wait to find out which day the, the naughty prizes are going to be labeled out. But it's going <laughs> to so be So how fun. long are we doing this? We're doing this for two weeks. That's right. Ten F- days. Ten days of bad Santa. And we've got all sorts of cool prizes and some not-so-cool prizes. So maybe you're naughty, maybe you're nice. We'll just have to roll the dice and see what happens. So again, tomorrow morning, Bad Santa continues. We're going to do it at a different time tomorrow because we've got breakfast with the Bombers tomorrow at 7.37. Maybe we'll do it at 7.15 tomorrow morning right here on 680 CJOB. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back next week. Greg Mackling, who is sitting to your left? Well, we have an esteemed member of city council as the city of Winnipeg continues its work on creating a four-year operational budget for the first time. There are signs that some very difficult decisions are upon us as uh, city council creates their priority list for spending as well as areas which could see significant cutbacks. Winnipeg Transit looked to be near or at the top of the list of areas Facing cutbacks of city operations, which could see less funding and possible cuts to service, likely avoided in 2020 after Public Works Committee motion was struck down earlier this fall. Winnipeg Transit's yearly budget increase was capped at 2% by Mayor Bowman's Executive Policy Committee. To fit within the 2% target, Transit said it would need to reduce its operating budget in 2020 by $5.8 million and climbing that number growing at every year to 9.2 million in 2023. Last week, the Public Works Committee rejected that major proposed cut to transit service for at least this year and next. North Kildonan Councillor Jeff Prawati suggested the 5.8 million 2020 funding shortfall be funded with surplus earnings. Councillor Prawati joins us in studio to discuss the process. Yeah, and in all the and good morning, Jeff. Thanks morning. for taking time with yeah. us. In all the documents have been pouring over the last uh, week, week and a half or so, uh, the number once again transit operating in a slur- surplus situation. Yeah. Transit is a utility. It's a little bit uh, different than, say, uh, our snow clearing budgets and such. Uh, the, they're allowed to have something called retained earnings within the uh, the transit service. Uh, the reason you would do that is there's some costs that are variable. From year to year, you don't know what's going to happen to, say, the cost of diesel fuel. We always try to, you know, estimate, you know, hey, it's going to probably be a little bit higher than it is currently. But you never know at the end of the day what your actual cost throughout the year is going to be. Uh, however, if you look at the trend over the last many years, there's typically been five to six million dollars in operating surpluses coming out of transit or remaining in transit. Uh, transit management over the years has flipped some of that into additional bus purchases uh, and other typically capital related items. Um, we started the year with about 2.5 million. We're looking at about five point, I think seven or five point eight million in operating for calendar year 2019, based on October 31st estimates. So there's plenty of room uh, within that to at least make uh, 2020 whole. So things like, you know, cutting back service like later in the evenings, cutting down some of the dash buses and, and a number of the other things could be eliminated by taking that $5.8 million. So working with uh, Councillor Allard, the chair of Public Works, and uh, Councillor Santos and Councillor Sharma, uh, we worked together behind the scenes. We said, hey, you know, this is, I think, a good way we can make this whole. We identified a funding source, and that was our, uh, our recommendation or suggestion, at least, uh, to EPC. The Budget Working Group and EPC now goes behind closed doors in January. Uh, they give, uh, by the end of January, uh, final numbers to uh, the finance folks. They go away and produce the budget documents, and then they'll table a budget for the public, either late February or early March, to be ca- uh, ca- um, voted by council and approved before the end of March. So do any of your constituents come to you and like have they voiced concerns about transit service and the potential for it to be reduced? Oh, absolutely. Uh, whether it's constituents, you know, you, they stop you at the grocery store, they call or email. Uh, they definitely have great grave concerns about cutting back transit. Um, again, it should be, it's worth pointing out that whether you use transit daily, occasionally, or never, I think we all benefit from having a strong transit service. I mean, if you're in traffic right now, look at all the buses that are on the street. Each bus there represents probably 30, 40, 50 people on it. If they weren't on the bus, they'd be in additional cars. We would need wider roads. We need more capacity. 
So while fares only cover about 50% of the cost of operating transit, um, the money that the public puts into it, you know, like the money we put into roads, you don't directly pay every time you use a road, but, you know, uh, transit is also an important service and it does, I, I think, make sense to be funding it publicly. Yeah, well, in Kansas City, uh, Missouri at least, uh, that part of Kansas City, just last week voted to have no fare, completely free transit service in a, a majority of their community. And I know Winnipeg's not probably prepared to go that far, but a healthy and a quality and an improving transit ser- service only holds good things, like you say, whether you use it or not. It's an imperative part. So what do we do? We've staved off these budget cuts for at least for next year. What does it look like over the next three years for transit and other parts of city services, other areas that the city administers in terms of service cutbacks? Are we in a dire situation here financially, Jeff, or is it because we're looking at a, this four-year budget process? Yeah, a lot of it comes from the fact we are doing a four-year um, budget process right now. I mean, uh, unlike other levels of government, our operating budget has to be balanced every year. We have to show where everything's coming from and going to. We can borrow for long-term capital assets, but on operations, it's just not not allowed in the way we, we're, we're set up and we're a, um, a creature of the province of Manitoba. Uh, so yeah, it's there are some things that are tight, but there's always things that happen, you know, year to year. Like you know, this last year, for example, the federal gave a, government gave us a one-time doubling of the gas tax, so that helped fix a hole we had in some road funding that uh, was was unexpected. Um, you know, there's talk right now. Uh, we're in a minority federal government right now. Um, some of the multi-year transit programs that were supposed to be, you know, super over the top green might be able to be a little more flexible. Like, it's not that easy for Winnipeg Transit to just overnight switch to electric buses, for example. You know, do we charge them at the depot? Do we charge them out on the route network? Do they have to be wired up. What happens to the operator if they're sitting for 25 minutes while a bus charges? There's it's, Operationally, we're spending the money now. We're going to do the investment. It's not if we're going to go with electric transit, but when. So we may have an opportunity to see some new federal dollars in the near term for, for um, uh, replacing our buses. If that happens, there may be some room within operating to keep transit whole. So again, four years is a fairly long amount of time in, in, this, in, the, in this realm. So things could change between now and uh, you know, actually every year for that matter. One minute left. Uh, what about property and planning? Is that an area that could get affected? Yeah, I mean, right now the proposal is a, is a 0% increase. So while transit was seeing 2%, zero means a, means a complete freeze. Um, and in fact, you know, with salaries not going up, they would actually have to do some reductions. I haven't spent a pile of time, you know, going through the detailed uh, implications of what they're proposing within uh, property development. But again, uh, we're looking for uh, more accountability. Um, we're looking for um, better results out of property development. Um Seems like a tough time. Yeah, to it, it, back it, off into freeze funding. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's my takeaway on it. It is, and again, the province of Manitoba has looked at our um, our permit and approval process. Uh, we're going to be seeing some changes there. Maybe that'll come with some dollars. Maybe it'll provide us with some opportunities, some you know processes that could be reformed or modernized, allowing um, you know certified engineers and architects to sign off on things and their stamp being. Uh, the, uh, the approved means of getting something approved rather than having it looked over again a second and third time by, by our staff. There may be some opportunities to recognize professional SEALs. City Councilor Jeff Rawati joining us live on 680 CJOB from North Kildonan. Jeff, thank you for the visit as always, sir. Much appreciated. Thank you, gentlemen. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back next week. In a moment, we're going to talk about the fact that Winnipeg is ranked number ninth for the top cities in Canada for cycling. But before that, another text message here about things that we don't know how to say. We learned earlier today, Brussels sprouts are actually Brussels sprouts. So if you've say if you've ever said Brussels sprouts, apparently that's incorrect. And Andrea texting about. Worcestershire sauce, <laughs> or is it Worcestershire sauce? Uh, Worcestershire. No, Worcestershire. My understanding is that it's Worcestershire sauce. Okay, which is you know it's counter. It, it's not intuitive when you look at that. You you see all kinds of extra syllables there. I think Worcester. Well, I guess oh. I, and one extra syllable, but you're supposed to just go right. Th- I was told it's just Worcestershire sauce. See, and then I, I don't know if uh, Andrew's spelling it correctly or not, but, but that, that would indicate a, a T that doesn't exist in the spelling. Yeah, it's spelled W-O-R-C-E-S. 
T-E-R-S-H-I-R-E. And you said Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Right. So there's a there's a like a, a T that doesn't exist in the in the no, traditional a, No, there's a T in there. W-O-R-C-E-S. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you, you said yeah, but say it again. Worcestershire. Okay, because the first time you said it, you said Wor- No, I didn't. Oh, the first time I said I said Worcestershire or Worcestershire. Okay. Yeah. Because I heard that a T at the beginning. So, oh, no, no. That, there it's we go. Worcestershire. And that first, and that first syllable. Yeah. Syllable. Yeah, so Worcestershire or Worcestershire. So let us know if you know for sure. 204-780-6868. Right now we want to talk about how Winnipeg is number nine in Canada in terms of cycling in the city. So we're joined now by Jamie Hilland, who is a man who we've long talked to about bike issues in this city. And Jamie, it's been a while since we talked to you. Good morning to you, sir. How are you guys? Nice to talk to you. Doing very well. So were you, were you surprised by this result? I was, uh, you know, I was part surprised and part not surprised when you, when you look at actually how they assess the top cycling cities. And what, what they did is they looked at kilometers of cycle, what the cities consider cycling infrastructure. And so if you look at the city of Winnipeg, we, on paper, we have a lot of uh, cycling infrastructure, but a lot of it is not what we call AAA, which is all ages and abilities infrastructure. And that's uh, separated, protected stuff that most ages and abilities feel comfortable on and feel safe riding in, in, with traffic. Uh, a lot of our infrastructure, unfortunately, still remains uh, painted uh, bike lanes or sharrows, which are in, in the planning and the transportation planning community, uh, a lot of research has shown that sharrows are, are actually not a, a good safety improvement. They actually are, have little worse outcomes. Um, and I think that's gone into the calculation. So. But having said all that, uh, for a mid-sized Canadian city, we do pretty well. You know, we have a, a good pedestrian cycling strategy that's in place, and we are slowly enacting it, moving on it. But uh, we, we're pretty good. You know, we're not, we're not too bad. So the rank might be respectable, but the score overall itself isn't necessarily terrific. No. I think, I think overall, I mean, I, I've, I've cycled most of these places and, and talked with planners and done projects in a lot of these cities. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we're getting there. You guys, we have, we have, uh, we have a, a plan in place that hopefully city council still uh, moves forward with. Uh, there, there are experiencing cutbacks on it. Um, but I think more cities now are recognizing that we, we just can't keep on pouring money into 84% of people driving in single occupancy vehicles, and we can't keep on pouring money into roads that are not safe. We know that uh, cycling infrastructure reduces uh, injuries by about 44% and deaths by about 50% if you have a protected cycling lane on a road. Uh, and so as a road safety intervention, uh, more cities are just putting it in place and calling for AAA infrastructure to be, to be, to be installed. So, um, yeah, that's what we're seeing, I think, broadly across Canada and, and in North America is just more recognition that we're, our roads are killing too many pedestrians and people on bikes. Now, arguably the most controversial of the cycling inter- infrastructure is in the Exchange District on yep. McDermott and Bannatyne. How do you feel about that setup and and uh, the controversy surrounding uh, the elimination of some parking, uh, the, the the friction that it's creating uh, amongst businesses and yep. those that would like to see that infrastructure stay in place. I think you know they have reasonable points. I think it's not just the the the, the protected facilities down there. Uh, I think if you look at that project, actually, and I think this is a bit of the narrative that's come out, unfortunately. Uh, that project actually added parking spaces uh, along Adelaide and McDermott. They did a lot of those back and angle parking, so they, they actually added 35 parking spaces. Uh, I think also the the impact of the public safety building, and there was 500 parking spots, I believe, in that uh, building right there that were closed down and taken away. I think that's impacted them. I, I think they have concerns. If they're seeing a drop in business, then you know, uh, is that to, what, what? Why is that happening? And I think there's other concerns beyond just you know the the, the parking spots immediately in front of businesses, and also we're we're getting to be a big city, you guys, and you can't have free parking. We had Dr. Donald Chu came into town about a month ago, and he talked about the high cost of free parking. And there's a cost for parking to maintain, you know, the storage of empty vehicles. And it's, there, there is a cost to it for us maintaining that infrastructure. And if we're providing it for free everywhere, um, that's going to cost us. Either we pay it as consumers or we pay it as taxpayers. And so, uh, but yeah, I think they've got some concerns that, uh, that, that need to be worked through. I, I, I Personally, I ride those lanes every day to work, so uh, I count on them for safe infrastructure. I, I take my kids downtown because of that, those lanes, and if they were not there, then that wouldn't happen. You talk about free parking. Do you mean the, the parking sort of after-hour parking, or do you mean elsewhere in the city? What, what do you mean specifically? I think elsewhere in the city, and I think the expectation we hear a lot of the narrative is like, I'd like to come downtown. I'd like to you know, be able to park close to where I, right in front of the building that I want to access. 
um, and I want to have that either low or free. Um, and I think that's part of the equation, too, is that the, the, the exchange sector owners are seeing that the parking rates are also being hiked by about a dollar an hour, and I think that's the other issue is, like, there's, there's a less parking or in some areas. or it's, it's more difficult because it's a built-up area. We don't have those broad parking lots like you're going to see out in McGilvery and Keniston areas. Um, so it is, it is more of a premium, uh, and now we're, we're raising the price on it, and so they're really feeling the squeeze uh, in terms of what they're hearing from their customers. And yet we seem to be willing to walk the equivalent of a city block uh, some days when we're parking at, <laughs> yep. those, uh, at those big parking lots uh, to, to get to the shopping centre itself and get inside. Jamie, uh, we're going to let you run. We know you've got other responsibilities this morning. We always appreciate you taking time. Let's uh, hook up and, and talk more extensively about this, uh, some more solutions to get Winnipeg higher up on that list. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Jamie Hilland is a sustainable transportation planner with Urban Systems. He is a cycling educator joining us live on 680 CJOB. Right now, this half hour, I guess, it kind of has a theme of generosity because our next guest is taking a chance encounter with some newcomers to Winnipeg to a whole other level. Scott Johnson is his name. Greg actually spotted this story on Twitter. So he joins us to discuss how helping out some people looking for directions has led us to want to talk to him. Good morning, Scott. Hi, good morning. So before we get to what this is, why don't you take us back a few days and tell us how this all started? What happened? Well, it was uh, Thursday night. I was on my way home from work and I uh, was taking a bus from downtown, uh, Portage and Main area. And uh, the buses were behind... Uh, running behind, so I was on my phone checking to see what uh, what time the next bus was coming because it was it was getting pretty chilly out that night, and uh, I noticed out of the corner of my eye this uh, young woman uh, kind of walking, sidestepping towards me, and I asked her if uh, everything was okay because I could see that she was uh, upset and she was crying and she was extremely cold. Uh, she wasn't wearing uh, much to uh, begin with, very thin jacket, no gloves, no nothing. And uh, she said that she was lost and that she had been asking for uh, help with getting directions to get home. And nobody had uh, would offer her any help. So I took her inside to the uh, 360 uh, main uh, building, the artist building, and uh, got her warm and uh, figured out where she lived and uh, got her on the bus and got her home. And I found out that she was, uh, her and her family had just moved to Winnipeg. I uh, moved to Canada, and they were told that it was that it doesn't get uh, very cold here. So, uh, which kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. And uh, yeah, who told them that? I uh, yeah, I don't know who told them that, but I hear that's that's quite uh, quite common uh, for for newcomers to hear that. So, uh, it, it it broke my heart though that uh, nobody would offer her any kind of assistance, any kind of help. Uh, she would, like I said, she was visibly shaken and and. Uh, uh, crying and, and absolutely freezing. So uh, I just decided to, you know, we got her. I got her on the bus, and it, we ended up being on the same bus together, and uh, uh, you know, kept her warm and whatnot. So, uh, but you know, I I, I, just, I decided to take to Twitter and just kind of put it out there that you know, there's this there's this family out there that uh, uh, you know, this young woman that nobody wanted to help and you know, they don't uh, she doesn't have gloves, I asked her, I said, do you have any winter gear? And she said no so I put it out there on Twitter and uh, asked if, uh, you know, anybody would be willing to help out and you know, the next thing I know I I, uh, I, I fell asleep early that night and I woke up the next day and my phone had blown up and, and uh, there was uh, a lot of requests to help uh, this woman out and uh, you know, that Friday, we got uh, some donations coming into uh, my office here and uh, uh, already, and, and, and people from all, from all over Canada have, have offered to help and send donations of clothing and uh, gift cards and, uh, you know, uh, grocery uh, gift certificates, you name it, uh, from Victoria uh, to Calgary, uh, Regina, uh, Ke- uh, Greg Johnson, Tornado Greg, uh, he's sending out a, uh, uh, a big package, should be here today. Uh, lots of people in Winnipeg are, 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 are pitching in and helping out. And, and uh, you know, I just wanted to show this, this person and her family that, uh, you know, Winnipeg, uh, 
you know, the, the weather may get cold, but, you know, and sometimes maybe people are, are, are a little cold, but in, in all reality, that Winnipeggers are quite warm and, and generous and, uh, and kind. So I just wanted to show her that and give her the, uh, you know, give her something to look forward to while being here. So, Scott, what is your handle on Twitter, by the way? Uh, it's crazy in the, in the peg. Crazy into peg. peg, Okay, I think uh, that rings a bell now. Uh, I'm just pulling this up here. And sorry, what day was this where you met her? Oh, on Thursday evening. Okay, yeah, because I noticed you. And the the timing of this is is perfect because Saturday, for example, like I went out Saturday evening. I left my apartment, I think, at eight o'clock, and it was still quite nice. Mm -hmm. But by the time I called it after midnight, it was bitterly cold and yeah. uh so for her to potentially be wandering around outside now without that stuff is a frightening thought so the the stuff that people are offering to help out they're they're wanting to pitch in and and donate this and donate that like have, have you already collected a lot of this stuff yeah i've gotten uh, some uh gloves warm socks uh toques and uh, I know some boots and stuff are coming, and some jackets. I have a uh, I have a, a warm winter jacket that I don't wear. Uh, it's brand new, so I'm going to donate that as well. Uh, and you know, we're going to be taking donations throughout the week here at my office. And uh, if anybody wishes to come down and drop something off uh, at the end of the week, or or you know, or sooner, uh, I'm going to pay a visit to uh to the family so if anybody wants to drop anything off at at my office we're located at uh unit 1201 scott street uh the office is called steps to work and uh I, you know i'm here till 4 30 every day if anybody needs to uh come later just you know if they can get a hold of me on twitter or or give me a call at my office uh, that would be i can stay late and and accept anything so. and what's the phone number is 204-474-2303, extension 4. Okay, 204-474-2303, extension 4. Yep. And again, that address was 1 at 201 Scott Street? Yes, you bet. Steps to work. So are you going to donate all of this stuff to that family? Well, no, we're going to, you know, donate uh, what they need, and anything that's above and beyond we're going to donate to... uh, you know, charities that work with vulnerable persons. You know, it's a time of year where it gets cold. There's lots of people in need. I'll donate to, you know, maybe other newcomer programs or, uh, you know, depending on how much we get. And so far we've gotten a bunch of stuff. So, uh, you know, we'll donate to shelters and whatnot too. So, Well, good for you for doing this. So is this something that you could potentially see becoming a bigger initiative to accept these donations for for newcomers to Canada who might not have the appropriate gear to survive uh, winter? Uh, I I would hope so. I I think that it would be it would be good if we all looked out for each other, whether we're newcomers or not, and uh, you know, just show that love and kindness to one another, and that people care, and and uh, you know, that Canada is that uh, you know is a great country. You know, we we were rated, I think, ranked number one for uh, I can't remember what poll it was recently, but we were ranked number one, I think, in. in uh, overall, like, you know, healthy living or something like that. And uh, it's, you know, it'd be good to show that why Canada is number one, you know, and uh, that people actually care. Scott Johnson is his name, at Crazy Indepeg on Twitter. And he is just a chance encounter on Portage Avenue has led him to meet a young woman from Egypt who needs some winter gear. And because of generous people from across this country, they will be getting a nice bag of donations to help them get through the season. Scott, what a great initiative, and uh, clearly you're a great guy to, to go to the lengths that you did to help this young woman out. Well, I appreciate that, Brett, and, you know, I'm just trying to do the right thing and trying to be, you know, helpful. That's it, so. All right. Scott Johnson, thank you for taking the time to join us today. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Mackling McGarry McNabb. McNabb is back next week. Mackling's off to downtown for some training. So it's just McGarry until the end of the start. Saturday, this past Saturday, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Boston Pizza Keniston, Freightliner Manitoba put on their annual 
fundraiser, their annual drive for Silo Mission, Fill the Freightliner. And from all accounts, it was a massive success. Ken Talbot is president of Freightliner Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB to give us an update. Ken, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you today? Doing very well, doing very well. So did you need hockey sticks once again to jam those doors shut? (laughs) Yeah, we had to put a couple people up on the shoulders and close them tight. Oh, wow. It was pretty good. It was amazing. Uh, We were a little concerned when the rain started. We thought uh, when the rain and wind was going, we thought we were going to get slowed down a little bit, and we did slow down a little bit, but Winnipeg stepped it up once they got back on the streets, and uh, we we hit our target. We're delivering this morning two. We're going to rename it. It's going to be Fill the Freight Liners from now on. Right on. That is outstanding, (laughs) man. That's great because at what point, what what year was it where you realized we're going to need a second freight liner here? That was the first year we did one truck, and then uh, about halfway through the day, we went and got a, a parts trailer we have, and we filled that up. And then last or three years ago, we did two trucks. Last year, we did two. Um, we had a second truck on the second year, and we just need a little bit of it. And then the third year, it was full, which was last year. And then the fourth year this year, it was uh, it was very full again. So um, donations came at a, a much slower pace. Last year, we had a couple of big runs. This year was more consistent throughout the day, though. And I also understand and you were looking for uh, used winter outerwear predominantly, but as well as food and cash. And you raised a ton oh, of cash too, right? Yeah, the cash went. Uh, I was kind of setting a, a, a I, I was verbal about it, but I set a target of fifty thousand, and we went north of that. So Winnipeg really stepped up. Uh, some of my customers and friends, family. Uh, really, really stepped up well this year. Wow. Uh, phenomenal, and I, all I can say is thank you. And that's over 50000 And you can, if you want to make a donation right now, you can still go to freightliner.mb.ca to make a donation yes. to Silo Mission. And it, it, it's, the timing, I think, was, was good. I mentioned this in our previous segment, Ken, but Saturday was, it was a nice day, but as the evening went on, it stopped being a nice day. And yeah, I, I didn't. We I, turned into Winnipeg, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I was just walking around through the exchange district trying to hail a cab, and I was frozen. I was not dressed yeah. appropriately. So that's why events like this and initiatives like the one that you are doing here are so important to help those at Silo Mission, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really important to make sure that we uh, we never forget um, we're, to help those that are a little less fortunate than ourselves and uh, make sure if we can, we should. And uh, it's, it, it, Winnipeg stepped up and, and was incredibly helpful this weekend. Uh, the staff here at Freightliner, all the media with CGOB and Peggy and uh, Power, uh, it was amazing uh, when we put all our resources together, how great an event can be, right? Yeah, no, it's uh, strength in numbers, so to speak. How many volunteers were there, do you think? Oh, it was the biggest ever. I don't know. There was one point when I think we had about 30 people. You felt like you were going to get mugged when you drove up and <laughs> opened your hatchback. And we had about 30 people. All the We had a bunch of staff. And then now their kids are all coming out, which we love to see. Teaching kids about philanthropy is always a great thing. And, uh, yeah, you'd open your hatchback. You didn't even have to get out of the car. Didn't have to get wet. Didn't have to do it. It was fantastic. It was amazing. So, so what time do you drop the, or make the drop? We're making the drop this morning. I'm just, after I finish uh, with this interview, I'm in the truck. One of us is, uh, we're, we're, we're taking four of us down, and we've got some folks down there at the mission already, and we're going to be unloading one full truck of food, tw- so that's 24 feet of food. Now, we weighed it this morning, and we're going to, once we uh, unload it, and then we weigh the truck again empty, we'll know how many pounds of food and how many pounds of clothing we got, and uh, we're going to let all you guys know so you can... Uh, let Winnipeg know one more time and say thank you very, very much for an incredible uh, amount of support, as usual. Well, Ken, we want to thank you very, very much for, for driving this initiative forward every year. It's, a, it's a, an amazing event, and uh, without people like you, it would, it would be difficult for organizations like Silo Mission to keep doing what they do. I was talking to the folks at Silo Mission. I'll be really quick here. I was talking to them about it. I mean, how good is an event that has people driving up, leaving you food, clothing, and money, and you're able to go inside and, you know, hang out with them and maybe have a beer and a pizza and, you know, and, and talk to them and spend some time with them. It's, uh, it's, it's really neat the way it's structured and the way it works and the way it kind of fell into place. So 
Uh, we're gonna we we've already uh, we've already announced that we're uh, we did it with the radio groups on Saturday. We're gonna do it again next year. We're there. All right. Well, we'll see you there for sure, Ken. Thank you so much for taking the time this morning. We appreciate this very much. Hey, thank you. Take care. Ken Talbot is president of Freightliner Manitoba. Once again, fill the Freightliner to be fill the Freightliners next year at Boston Pizza Keniston in support of Silo Mission. Again, two Freightliners filled to the brim with clothes, with food. And as he said, they went north of $50,000 in cash donations. If you weren't able to make it down, but you want to make a donation, you can go to freightliner.mb.ca. They have a link that will direct you to Silo Mission site where you can make a cash donation. Jeff Braun's going to pop his head in here, taking off his Global News anchor hat and putting on his couch potatoes hat because, as he's been telling you in Global News this morning, the Golden Globe nominations are out. And I think one of the things that really jumped out for me, Jeff Braun, uh-huh. Netflix has not one but two movies, right? In the in the best drama cat, or is it three? It is three. Oh my God! It's three movies. The two sixty percent. The two popes and Marriage Story and The Irishman nominated along with The Joker, which we've talked about before in nineteen seventeen, which has not yet come out. Okay, so what is the two popes? Uh, it's a movie about these two guys. <laughs> turn out to be, as uh, the previous pope, Pope Benedict, and the not yet in the movie, but right now current pope uh, Francis. Okay. That's a movie about them starring Jonathan Price, that we remember as another religious figure in Game of Thrones, a little less popular than Pope Francis, perhaps, mm-hmm. and uh, and also Anthony Hopkins as uh, Pope Benedict. And that was... And they're both nominated for Best Actors, and, or, and Supporting Actor. And when was that released? That's um, not out yet. Oh, it's that's not? That's still to come oh, on yeah. Netflix on the 20th, uh, Star Wars weekend. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, it had a limited theatrical release in the States on the November 27th, and yeah. then, okay, so December 20th on Netflix. Marriage Story, though, with six nominations leading the way. That one... Just uh, came out. Yeah. Haven't watched it yet. Okay. I watched nine episodes of Frasier yesterday, though. <laughs> Went to, bed, was like, went to bed, I was like, oh yeah, I was going to watch Marriage Story this weekend. Oops. Okay. I'll get to it. So Marriage Story stars whom? Uh, Adam Kylo Dri- Ren, Adam Driver. <laughs> Kylo Ren and the Black Widow. <laughs> and the Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they play a couple going through a divorce. Right. And uh, as you said on the Couch Potatoes, this is a show that, uh, a movie that has a lot of Best Picture buzz for the Oscars, so yeah. clearly the Golden Globe's often seen as a precursor for the Oscars. At least gives you a sort of an idea of what movies you want, might want to check out if you're at all interested in the upcoming Oscar race. So those are some good picks there, and then even in the musical or comedy uh, category, my favorite movie of the year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, got nominated along with Dolomite Is My Name, which is a Netflix movie starring Eddie Murphy, Jojo Rabbit in theaters now, Knives Out in theaters now, and Rocket Man. I think that, is that on DVD already? It's close to it if it's not. Might get a re-release into theaters if it gets an Oscar nomination in like a month's time. Yeah, no kidding. I haven't seen Rocket Man yet. Of these, I, I have seen, okay, in the best motion picture musical category, I have seen Knives Out, which I liked. You really liked Knives Out. Yep. I just fell into the liked it category, and I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then in the drama category, I have seen The Irishman and Joker. A little surprised that jo- Joker got nominated, I because yeah. that one didn't do all that it did okay, but not super great with the critics on that. His uh, his performance was outstanding, Joaquin Phoenix, and I see he was nominated for Best Actor yep. in a drama. Yeah, he, he yeah. So that that's probably close to a lock, I would think, because that's like a big, crazy performance. It's, are the performances that tend to win awards? Um, even the director, what's Todd Phillips, the Joker? He got nominated over Noah Baumbach, who. Uh, directed marriage story, so mm. that's what a lot of the snooty cr- film critics I follow on Twitter are kind of uptight about right now this oh, morning. God. So, yeah, so there's so that's the movies, the TV thing. I don't even know how to approach. That's insane. Okay. Game of Thrones didn't get nominated for best TV show. Wow, isn't that weird? Well, it is, but so many people are just unhappy with the way that that series wrapped up. I have mixed emotions about the way that it wrapped up. I kind of I don't think these. Nerds in the Hollywood foreign press that give out the Golden Globes are that concerned about stuff like that. They, just, they tend to just vote for whatever is the biggest deal. Well, who got nominated? Um, but- Let's see. Big Little Lies. That's a good show. Yeah. The Crown. People like that show. Mm-hmm. Same with Killing Eve. Yep. Uh, the Morning Show is that new Apple show that I don't even know anyone who's seen it. Yeah. And it has not been, like, killing it critically either. So that's a weird one. And Succession, which I've heard somewhat about, but I've not watched it myself. That's an HBO show. Yeah. I believe Ryan Cox 
is the uh, the main star of that, and uh, by all accounts, it is. An excellent show, although it, apparently it takes a little while to get into. It's kind of a slow burn. Oh, yeah. But I have heard enough people say they love it, so I'm, I'm curious to try it, and especially because it's on HBO, and if, you have, if you, you're an HBO subscriber, you can watch all that stuff on demand through your PVR. Uh, I, all i got to do is hold up my Shaw remote and say, Succession, and then it'll <laughs> pop up. I don't even have to do anything. Uh, so best TV series, comedy. Uh, Barry, that always gets nominated. Fleabag, which is a terrific show. That, that's uh, all-time that Hall of Famer, and it just, like swept the Emmys in the comedy series. So is that an Amazon show? Yeah. Okay. It's really good, and it, and there's only it's two seasons, twelve episodes total. They're half an hour. You can watch the whole thing in one afternoon. Takes no time at all. The Kaminsky Method, which is a Netflix show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is also an Amazon show, and The Politician, which is a show I don't think I've heard of before. I have not heard of that one either. And see, that's the interesting thing, though. When we have, this always comes up with awards discussions. All these TV shows, the movies, I think it's always been like that, right? The best picture nominees are almost always five movies that most people haven't seen. Right. Where there, you can take the combined box office of all the movies and find one that's made more money than all of them. Right. Uh, that's not to say that they're not, uh, they're obviously great movies, but just, you know, that a lot of those movies people stay away from. And the timing. I mean, like we said, there's a couple that still haven't been released. We couldn't watch them if we wanted to. That's right. And then with the TV shows, more often than not, you get series that people generally haven't heard of. As you pointed out, The Morning Show. I don't know a single person who has seen an episode of that. If you listening right now have seen it, <laughs> let us know. 204 780 Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon thing. Yeah, Steve Carell. I thought, I was curious about, about signing up for Apple TV. What is it called? Apple TV Plus? Something like that. I don't know. But, but it's only original content, whereas Disney Plus came out a couple of weeks later and they had their original content, like The Mandalorian, that Star Wars show, but they also had their gigantic library of mm-hmm. stuff. So it was just, it made more, way more sense to try the Disney than versus Apple. The Golden Globes often also try and they just like, they'll throw a nomination at something like these weird ones we've never heard of before, just in the hopes that it'll actually turn out to be the next big thing and they'll look like geniuses. Oh, yeah? Because if you go back and look through the nominations over the years, there's all these weird shows or movies that never got any other nominations in any other award ceremony except for the Golden Globes. Um, I think my favorite category of all categories is the best supporting actor in a motion picture. Listen to this rundown. Okay. You got Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci from The Irishman, Anthony Hopkins from The Two Popes and Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, my. Is that enough star power for one category? That is. Wow. (laughs) Tom Hanks, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Brad Pitt, and Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. That's incredible. So there, the the short version is award award season is shaping up to be much more exciting than, certainly than last year. Okay. Yeah, and and then looking at uh, best actor in a drama, you've got Christian Bale, Ford versus Ferrari. You saw that movie, right? Yep, that's really good. Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, a film I've never heard of. It's a foreign film. I don't know that it's been out out yet that we could see it. Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Best actress drama, Cynthia... Erevo for a movie called Harriet, ScarJo for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson, Sersha Ronan for Little Women, Charlize, that comes out on Christmas, I think, Little yep. Women, uh, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, that's the one where she plays Megan Kelly, right, from yep. Fox. and that comes out later this month as well. And then Renee Zellweger for Judy, where she played Judy Garland. Right. Okay. Uh, oh, and I see that Leonardo DiCaprio got a nomination, too, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I sort of hope that Daniel Craig and Knives Out beats him for that, though. Also, that kid from Jojo Rabbit is really good. And Jojo Rabbit, once again, that, that might be a movie where people go, what is that? That's a, uh, you saw it. It's a strange one. Yeah, it's art. I don't, uh, I, I don't have it written out in front of me how to explain it. It is a, it's like it's, a satire. It's a comedy. It's a satire about uh, the Nazis in World War II. And it's about this little boy who grows up in a Nazi city, but, and he has all this weird stuff in his head, the propaganda and whatnot. And every, all the Nazis are made to look very foolish. And it's weirdly, it's very funny. And it's, uh, it's also very touching. Now I see Ricky, is it Gervais or Gervais? Uh, Fitting in with the theme of today's show. It it literally depends who you ask. (laughs) I say Gervais with the S at the end every time. Okay. Well, you can let us know at 204-780-6868. Gervais or Gervais? (laughs) But uh, Ricky, let's go with Gervais, is going to host the Globes for the fifth time when the awards air on January 5th. What do you think of that? I'm... Been there, done that. I don't mind if you wouldn't do that. He's not as, I don't think he's as funny as he thinks he is. No, And I used to really think he was funny. 
Yeah, well, he and he. How, who? Uh, how did he come to fame? The original The Office, the British version of The Office, where he played uh, the cringy office manager David Brent, and he's very funny in that. That's still one of the all-time best performances on TV, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think he he was fun in the Golden Globes in the first year he did it, but the second, I believe it was the second year where he came out, and I just found... Just so smug about it, just like, yeah, well, when people know that they're funny, it's off-putting. Yeah, and he's just, it was a lot of mean humor, like he made drug rehab jokes, I think, to Robert Downey Jr. All in the name of trying to be edgy. Yeah, yeah and, and even one, one of the, I can't remember who it was, but one of the actors, and like a real big-name actor, came out after he was introduced and and took a shot at Ricky Gervais saying, oh, you know, you don't have to be a jerk or something like that. <laughs> I always prefer, I liked, I think my favorite uh, hosts of the Golden Globes were Tina Fey and Amy, uh, Poehler. Amy Poehler. I think so too. They were really funny. Yeah. I, I don't know why they don't bring them back. We should. We should uh, pull out our Grandpa Simpson typewriters <laughs> and, and type up a letter to the Golden Globes while we Here shake our fists at a cloud. We are angry at what you were doing. Please change now. <laughs> you can download the Couch Potatoes <laughs> podcast. It is available anywhere you get podcasts, including at cjob.com. This past week's episode, we did our December movie preview. And this week, we are going to count down our favorite movies of the decade. Whoa! I haven't even started thinking about this. You should. I have a fe- it takes a while. I have a feeling it's going to be like... Avengers, Thor, Star Wars. <laughs> Avengers 2, yeah. Avengers 3. Every time I try to whittle my list down, it only grows bigger. Okay, well, that's daunting. So I guess I have some homework to do. Quest, Jeff Braun, thank you very much for joining us, sir. Co-host of the Couch Potatoes. Again, the podcast is available, but you can also listen to the show Saturdays at noon, Sundays at 6, right here on 680 CJOB. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.